Now, making his way to the podcast studio all the way from Sacramento, California, he eats, sleeps, and breathes pro wrestling. He is the best self-proclaimed pro wrestling analyst in the world. Wrestling is still real to him, and he is here to keep good wrestling alive. He is the host of Snug Wrestling Podcast, the one, the only, Edgar Avila. What is going on, everyone? Welcome back again to Snug Wrestling with me, your host, Edgar Avila. I hope everyone is doing good today. What in the blue hell did we just witness today on SmackDown? Man, we had Charlotte Flair versus Asuka. Santos Escobar was getting his ass beat all night by Austin Theory. We had AJ Styles versus Karrion Cross. Edge, he's back. LA Knight versus Top Dalla. We had what we thought was going to be Santos Escobar versus Austin Theory for the United States Championship. And we also had the drama with the bloodline. But before we get into all of that, please be sure to hit up all of my socials at Snug Wrestling if you haven't already. And if you have, thank you. You're amazing. Let's get into this uh, regular thing that I started doing this um, gossip column, the news column. I saw something really interesting that I wanted to share really quick, and it has to do with the Pretty Deadly. The Pretty Deadly, they are also in the injured list of WWE. Man, WWE, they have a list full of injuries right now. They've been having really, really bad luck when it comes to injuries. And I completely forgot about the Pretty Deadly. One of the Pretty Deadly members unfortunately got injured during a tag team match versus the Brawling Brutes. And when it comes to these tag teams, if one of the guys get injured, then both of the members of the tag team unfortunately have to pay the price and they both have to be out of action. And that's what's happening right now with the Pretty Deadly. Deadly, and we haven't seen him on TV for quite some time. However, Pretty Deadly is still in the conversation. People are still talking about them. And one of the reasons is because of Jimmy Hart, the mouth of the South. He recently made some comments about the Pretty Deadly and said that he would like to manage them. Them being the Pretty Deadly. Too many pronouns, pal. Jimmy Hart finds them reminiscent of iconic duos that he's managed in the past. The Mouth of the South praises the Pretty Deadly style and charisma and thinks that they have potential to draw big money in wrestling. Jimmy Hart, he's managed many tag teams like the Hart Foundation and the Nasty Boy. Jimmy Hart went on to say, I like these kids. You know why? Because they remind me of my era. They talk big, they get knocked around, but they're colorful and they're not really big giant guys. I like them. I think they can draw some big money. If I had a chance to do it again, that's who I'd like to be with. The way they dress is a throwback and that's what I like about them. If you dress like the audience one day, you're going to wind up sitting in the audience. Meaning, be colorful. Give people their money's worth. Don't come dress how they are. 
I have heard that comment. I, I have heard that saying a lot. And I think Seth Rollins is one of those perfect examples as probably taking Jimmy Hart's advice. So, of course, the Pretty Deadly, we're talking about Elton Prince and Kit Wilson. And I'm really not surprised by these comments made by people like Jimmy Hart because Pretty Deadly, they do have this old school feel to them the chicken shit heels with the long hair and the colorful outfits and they are pretty much a modern day version of let's say the rockers for example however when they first were called up to the main roster from nxt they were presented as a really goofy tag team they were doing vignettes that were really goofy really gimmicky they were a comedic tag team but then later on they started winning big matches they won the tag team turmoil match and they became the number one contenders they went on to face kevin owens and Sami Zayn. they did not win the the tag team match for the championships but they had a really good match and then afterwards they kept winning and winning and winning unfortunately their momentum got cut off because of that injury that one of the pretty deadly guys suffered during the match versus brawling brutes up until then i was sold on these guys but they started off really gimmicky it really hasn't been said how long they're pretty deadly they're going to be out of action hopefully we get to see them back soon and if they do come back hopefully they keep that same momentum it's going to be kind of hard to say because the wwe they haven't mentioned the pretty deadly we haven't seen any promos we haven't seen any vignettes by these guys if you want to keep these guys fresh in the eyes of the audience we have to see their personal personalities on tv still we haven't seen that and i think most of the wwe fans have forgotten about the pretty deadly and that is not good so again we don't know how long they're going to be out of tv for but i hope that when they come back people still remember them and we get some reminders and we get some refreshers and hopefully they don't they don't have to start over because it looked like their run in the main roster it started off kind of rocky but then after a while they started building some good momentum and i would like to see that momentum continue so hopefully for the sakes of the pretty deadly they get a good return back from their injury but enough about the pretty deadly let's go on and talk about some business some more seriousness on a more serious note recently it was announced that triple h is no longer part of the board of directors of wwe the endeavor deal is going to be closing up next month in september and there's a lot of changes going on because of this closing deal one of them we talked about them earlier the announcers booth the announcers booth was recently changed michael cole is ahead of the announcers he's going to be on raw he's going to be on smackdown he being michael cole too many pronouns pal but that's not going to be the only change it looks like triple h he's still allegedly the head of creative still he's no longer in the board of creators but he's still going to be the head of creative so i think that is going to be a good thing triple h is not going to be the board of creators anymore so he has more time and he has more energy to focus on creativity now hopefully that stays the same and triple h is still the head of creative because 
If I had to choose between Triple H or Vince McMahon to be the head of creative, I'm sorry. I know I'm going to get a lot of heat for this. I would have much rather prefer Triple H. Triple H, he's much younger and he's more with the modern times and, and he's more accepting of the new up and coming wrestlers that are breaking through nowadays. One of the other potential changes that may be coming with this new Endeavor deal that's supposed to be closing is NXT. NXT is set to be a more sustainable third brand to increase show ratings, to bring higher TV rights fees, and make NXT a touring brand once again with live events and TV tape on the road. There's also an idea of a full-time PC center in London, but all of this is being reported by Uncle Dave and the News Wrestling Observer. So I'm going to take all of this with a grain of salt. Everything that comes out of Uncle Dave's mouth and the News Wrestling Observer, I don't completely believe. However, this would make a lot of sense, especially because of how recently NXT has been going. They've had a lot of people from the main roster in NXT in the last few weeks. The NXT from last week was the highest rated NXT in history I believe if I'm not mistaken if not in the most recent years or in a very long time we had Dominic Mysterio in the main event the North American champion versus Dragon Lee Rey Mysterio another main roster talent WWE legend made an appearance on NXT and we've also had a lot of other main roster talents like Rhea Ripley we've had Baron Corbin we've had Santos Escobar and we We've had a lot of main roster people coming down to NXT in the recent weeks, so it would make sense that NXT is being taken a little bit more seriously nowadays, and I've been saying that lately, and it even made me go back and watch NXT on a weekly basis, so NXT has definitely been getting a lot more interesting in the past recent months, and I don't think that's by accident. I think WWE is doing this intentionally, so definitely be on the lookout for NXT. I think there are big changes coming in the third brand and with this new endeavor deal closing up anything can happen in the wwe pal so this is really really exciting okay down to the nitty-gritty of all of this we had friday night smackdown and the match started off with Charlotte Flair versus Asuka. So we have Corey Graves, we have Michael Cole, and we have Kevin Patrick. We have a three-man booth, and Kevin Patrick, he's sitting in the middle, which I thought was pretty interesting because Kevin Patrick throughout this whole entire show was doing most of the talking, so a lot of responsibility is being put on this rookie announcer. And we have Charlotte Flair, we have the queen, we have the star, we have probably the second best female wrestler in the world after Rhea Ripley versus the modern day female version of the great Kabuki from Wish. For all you young folks out there, Google him folks. And if this were AEW, this would be the main event, but this is an opening match for SmackDown. For the match itself, Charlotte and Asuka, their timing was a little off in this match, but Charlotte delivers a great spear and was going to finish the match with the figure four. But before that can happen, here comes 
becomes the new women's champion with her faction, a full faction of the damage control, including Dakota Kai. And then Eosky takes out both Charlotte and Asuka. So now Eosky is a full-blown heel. Before Eosky won the championship and before she cashed in her money in the bank, there was a little tease between Bailey and Eosky where they were not really getting along. But Eosky comes out with her faction. They're all wearing full black and they look like a really good heel faction. With the seeds that they were planting before, I'm predicting that somewhere down the line, there's going to be a feud between Eosky and Bailey, especially with the title being involved. I definitely don't see Bailey playing the laggy role in this faction. So we have Eosky who has a championship in the faction. We have Bailey, who's clearly the leader. These two, they are bound to bump heads in the near future because that's usually how the cookie crumbles. We have an interview with Santos Escobar, but how the interviewer introduces Santos Escobar, he's now the sensational Santos Escobar. And what the hell is going on with these nicknames? So we have the sensational Santos Escobar. And it was also recently announced that Bronson Reed is the big Bronson Reed. So what's going on with these adjectives before the names? Sensational Santos Escobar. Big Bronson Reed. I don't know. What's next? The goof Seth Rollins. The never has been The Miz. The short guy Rey Mysterio. No, I'm just kidding about that last one. But you get what I'm trying to say. This episode of SmackDown had a shit ton of video package. A shit ton of interviews. And for a second I was thinking like what is this Monday night? raw but then i realized no this is the first episode of smackdown after SummerSlam, so we have a new chapter which means we have a bunch of new feuds so we have to have a whole bunch of introductions and we had another video package with carrie and cross and aj styles now this is a feud that's been going on for a really long time in the previous weeks carrie and cross has just been beating the fuck out of everyone in the OC, the original club, including AJ Styles. But this time, AJ Styles, he has a match versus Karrion Cross, And the match starts off and there's no lockup here. This is a fight. This has been going on for a while, so it makes sense for them to just start going at it right off the bat. But even though this was a grudge match, this did not start with a jump start. Not every single match needs to start with a jump star tony and we have a clear baby face versus heel match here and this is the most tv time that carrying cross has had in months and honestly i can get used to seeing carrying cross in my tv screen wait wait hold on hold on pause you guys know what i'm trying to say you guys know what i mean scarlet she ends up getting involved and mia chin takes out scarlet and scarlet takes a huge bump on the announce table aj styles ends up winning with his finisher and what a great match that we had here on smackdown between these two we have Edge. Edge comes out. We haven't seen Edge in quite some time, but it makes a whole lot of sense that we get to see Edge on this day because they're in Calgary, Canada. 
But next week is his 25-year anniversary. Shout out to all my Canadians out there. And it's going to take place in Toronto, Edge's hometown. But next week is his 25-year anniversary in Adam's hometown of Toronto. Oh, I mean uh, Edge. I'm sorry. I, I call him Adam because, you know, we're in, in first name bases, you know. But Edge, he wants to face somebody that he hasn't faced before ever in the WWE. Now, this is somebody that has been in the company for years and years. I believe he said over 14 years. And those 14 years, these two guys have never faced each other. And that got me a little bit hyped up. And I'm starting to think like, who is that? Who can it be? And then he says it's Sheamus. Oh my God. And I'm like, okay. So Edge, he wants to face Sheamus next week in his 25 year anniversary. And Edge, he really put Sheamus over here. He talks about how Sheamus helped Edge before his big return at the Royal Rumble. And then Sheamus comes out and then Sheamus puts Edge over in a big way. And these guys, I'm like, are they're having another break romance segment like Adam Cole and MJF. There's too much verbal fellatio going on here. And I'm thinking like Sheamus that he better turn here. There has to there's something else has to give here. Something has to happen. But nothing happened. These guys they kept it pretty simple. They kept it pretty serious and this is the first time that I have seen Sheamus show any personality for the very very first time ever i think in sheamus long career in the wwe i have never seen sheamus cut a promo like this he really showed his personality he really showed himself and who he is as a person and this is the first time that i actually felt like i actually want to see this match i actually am looking forward to see a sheamus match so next week we're gonna see Sheamus versus Edge on Edge's 25th year anniversary in Toronto we have a video package for Hulk Hogan the Hulkster he turns 70 years old happy birthday Terry oh damn my bad I mean Hulk Hogan I'm sorry guys I just I know all these guys by first name basis so I get confused sometimes up next LA Knight versus Top Dollar and we get no entrance was was that just my TV or was that every Everyone else because I'm pretty sure we went to commercials when we came back LA Knight and Top Dollar were already in the ring I don't know you tell me so we have LA Knight versus Uncle Phil aka Top Dollar who's hotter than Top Dollar not nada according to Corey Graves Michael Cole goes on by saying can you imagine if the yeah movement comes to a halt because of Top Dollar and I'm thinking yes I would not be surprised LA Knight never fucking wins but thankfully LA Knight he ends up winning but top dollar got a little bit too much offense for my liking in this match this in my opinion should have been a squash match but it wasn't la night he barely ended up winning this match and after the match la night cuts a promo on the miz so that's still happening we're still gonna get la night and the miz in a program together which is interesting because the miz is on monday night raw la night he's a smackdown talent at least we get to see la night on raw and smackdown all right and now we have escobar versus austin theory i thought this was going to be the main event i completely forgot about the roman reigns and the bloodline segment because i was really anticipating this match between escobar and theory theory 
He attacks Santos Escobar earlier in the show and also during this entrance for their match so escobar he can't compete anymore so instead of santos escobar Rey mysterio takes santos escobar's place and he's gonna face the united states champion austin theory and i'm thinking okay bear with me here the way that the match between santos escobar and Rey mysterio went down Rey mysterio got injured santos escobar went over Rey mysterio that match match by decision so now we turn the tables a couple weeks after santos escobar is injured and Rey mysterio takes this place this was supposed to be the original plan Rey mysterio was supposed to go over in that match between Rey versus escobar so they called an audible Rey mysterio got cleared and he was able to compete again so they pulled this injury angle with escobar and they went back to their original plans of Rey Mysterio versus Austin Theory. The only thing that I was not expecting was what actually went down, which was Rey Mysterio became the new United States champion. So Rey Mysterio made history by winning the United States champion for the very first time in his career, if I'm not mistaken. But now hear me out. I truly, truly believe that Santos Escobar is going to be the next United States champion because Santos Escobar will not go over Austin Theory. Austin Theory, he's a new up-and-comer, so the only way Santos Escobar can become champion is by defeating someone else. The perfect competitor is Rey Mysterio. Now, I sound like a fucking crazy conspiracy theorist right about now. It may be the tequila that I've been drinking tonight, but I believe Rey Mysterio is going to feud with Santos Escobar, and Rey Mysterio Mysterio is going to do a job for Santos Escobar so Escobar can become the new United States champion. But holy shit, what a crazy turn of events there. I was not expecting that whatsoever. And I thought that was the end. This felt like a main event. I turned the TV off and I was getting ready to just call it a night. And I completely forgot about the bloodline segment for a second there. So I turned the TV back on and we got Roman Reigns coming out to the ring. And Roman Reigns as the wise man, where's Jimmy? Jimmy, he's outside of the ring. He's in the building. And Roman's like, yo, I owe you big time. You helped me out at SummerSlam. What do you want? Anything you want, whatever. You want a new car? I got you. You want a new boat? I got you. You want a yacht? I got you. But Jimmy, he doesn't want nothing. And Jay Uso's music hits and he gets a huge fucking pot. Oh my God. Jay Uso is over as fuck right now. That shit. I've never seen a pop that loud for Jay Uso before ever. So Jimmy, he cuts a promo on Jay Uso. And I'm starting to think this is a rib. They're ribbing Roman Reigns. They being the Usos, Jimmy and Jay. Too many pronouns, pal. And this shit is getting real jimmy says everything that he did was to protect jay uso jimmy leaves roman cuts a promo on jay jay super kicks roman and then roman and solo get a little heat on jay jay hits roman with the super kick calls jimmy uso over it looks like jay was going to embrace jimmy with a hug but gives jimmy a super kick instead oh my god i'm out of breath this shit was so fucking crazy but that's not it, man. The craziest part about all of this, Jay looks into the camera and says, and I quote, I am out of the bloodline. I am out of SmackDown. 
and I am out of WWE. Oh my god, that is such good shit, man. Man, anything can happen in the WWE, pal. That's all I can say. That was Friday Night SmackDown. Let me know what you guys think at Snug Wrestling. Thank you guys for listening, and we will talk soon.